You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Well, I want to take, have you take your scriptures, find your Bible, and head to the book of Romans again, chapter 16 this morning. Chapter 16. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Maybe some are out still celebrating or somehow on the roads today heading back from that. We had a good time in Wisconsin and uh, came back before the weather got in yesterday, so good time there. But good to be back, good to worship. And then we get to, here we get to come to God's Word. So we're in Romans 16. We are starting a new chapter, and I'll explain some of where we're going this, even this Christmas season as we go along here. But on your way there, I've got a picture from last week. Tatum is not here. Tatum gave me this. I had one of two pictures. This was his, and I'm pretty sure Tatum was drawing the Bible. So that's what Tatum took away from our time in the Word. As we looked at this prayer request of Paul for those in Rome to pray for him, that he would... Uh, survive danger in Jerusalem, eventually get to, get to Rome. Uh, but all this is the teaching of God's Word. And that's where my words, I can comment, I can preach, and I want to exhort, uh, admonish, encourage, bring comfort, hopefully as much as I'm preaching to myself as I am to you. But ultimately, what we have before us is the Word. That's the power that we have. It's what the Spirit has written and caused to preserve over all these years is the Word of God. And even this last chapter of Romans is the Word of God. And there's a lot of names. There's a lot of genealogy. And we were talking about genealogies in Sunday school class this morning. Those two are the Word of God. We may not understand them all fully and say, why is this and why do I need to read ten chapters of so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so? But God in His provision, in His plan, has those preserved that we see these lines, and we see things through these. And we're going to see things, not through a a genealogy here in Romans 16, but through quite a list of people that will only scratch the surface of today. And by scratch, I mean the first two verses. So let's look at the first two verses of chapter 16, and we'll we'll get to more as we go along. Here's, listen to God's word again. Paul says to the Romans, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sencrea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Let's pray once again. Lord, as we come to your word and we looked at it, to it, Lord, I just pray along with Dave that your spirit would work in our hearts. It is your spirit that gives us understanding your spirit that's preserved this word before us. You are a mighty, mysterious, wondrous, miracle-performing, doing the impossible God that is three times holy, holy, holy. You are set apart from sinners. You are um, altogether wonderful, majestic in who you are. You are mighty over the mightiest of the land. You are the Almighty, and you're the creator of everything. And so we come to you. This is your word. This is what you have preserved and written for us, even these two verses and beyond in Romans chapter 16. May we treat them that way. 
May we glean what you have for each one of us in, in our particular situations. Maybe thinking of our past week of celebrating Thanksgiving or whatever has gone on in this past week and looking forward to what's ahead in the season, that you would use the words here to draw us closer, to sanctify us by your word. Your word is truth. May we be made holier through it. Thankful for the gift of Christ by which whose blood we can come to you. And we pray that we'd hear you again today. So bless our time, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, they might not be showing up quite yet for you. Some are likely to come maybe mid-January. Some are wonderfully done with creativity. Others just have a simple message to them. Some are just a picture and you're kind of left to the details of the rest. Of course, you know what I'm referring to. It's the Christmas greeting card. Um, Just saying that Christmas card might cause pain in some of you. You might wince because you remember last year you never got those cards out to anybody and you were going to do it in June and it never happened and that's a bad thought for you. Maybe some of you, I don't know all of you, how you do Christmas cards. Some of you, maybe they're already, they're halfway done. You're about to send them out. You're just, you're on the ball, you do it. Others, you've just given up completely on the idea of Christmas cards. That idea of Christmas cards, Christmas greetings came to my mind as we come to Romans 16, a chapter of greetings all over the place. If you just let your eye cast on this page, you see greet, 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 greet over and over and over again. Chapter 16 is kind of a, kind of a hodgepodge of sorts. Um, we've got our two verses we're going to look at today. We've got the greeting here. I counted them up. You can check me on this. T- 29 distinct people Paul greets here. Uh, three churches, two families. And that's just verses 1 through 16. So it seemed fitting as we kind of close out Romans that we'll do it through this Christmas season, all the way up to Christmas Eve morning, getting, Lord willing, to verses 25 through 27. And so titling maybe a majority of these messages is Christmas greetings. Not that Paul was writing this as a Christmas card to, to the people at the church at Rome, but kind of taking that thought of Christmas greetings and Paul's greetings and what do we make of all this at the end, and hopefully encouraging us, walking along both his exhortations and his greetings as we're in this season of Christmas. The first Sunday of Advent, Advent hasn't even come. That's next Sunday. We'll be doing the candles and all that again for that. But here today, we begin in kind of thinking of greetings in this way. Today, we are only looking at one person, though. Her name is Phoebe. Before we look a little bit more at Phoebe, um, Paul doesn't even greet her, but he seems, to, he seems to know Phoebe, and he sends this letter to the Romans as a sort of a recommendation, like a, like a letter of recommendation to the church at Rome that this Phoebe, this is someone you should receive. You should welcome her. You should help her out. Now, one thing about Phoebe before we continue, most of the commentators suppose that Phoebe is the one that, if you were wondering, how did this letter from Paul, written presumably in Corinth, how did it get to Rome? And that's where Phoebe comes in, that they think Phoebe is the one who actually delivered this letter to Rome. There was no UPS in those days or postal service in those days. I've read only for the government, you know, that they would have, um, I don't know, 
postal people to bring along government news, that sort of thing. But if you wanted to write a letter, you're kind of on your own to get somebody to, to carry it there. And so presumably Phoebe is the one. Maybe she's a woman, a wealthy woman that could travel, had the means to do this. And so she brought this letter uh, to Rome and to the church there. And what a letter she brought. What a package she carried. It far outweighs anything you'd ever get from Amazon. This is this letter, this letter of teaching us our sin and our need and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And over and over, Paul, again, looking to Christ to build us towards him. And so she brought quite a letter to the church at Rome, a letter of gospel truths here in this book. Well, these verses are they're short enough, so I want to just break up our study in this way, not kind of going little phrase by phrase. Normally, we typically go verse by verse. Just I'm going to ask three questions of us today. Try to answer some of these questions, and I think that's how the text answers. Number one, who is Phoebe? Phoebe, who is this lady named Phoebe? We actually learn quite a bit if we slow down, look in these verses. That's one question. Number two, how is the church at Rome to greet her? How kind of a manner question? What in what way do they say welcome to Rome, Phoebe? What are they supposed to do? And then lastly, by way of application, what are some takeaways? How do we? What do we take away? from two verses that are talking about Phoebe welcoming and she's been help, a helper. So what do we take away from this? Let's take the first question here, who is Phoebe? And Paul describes Phoebe in three ways, and I can't always get these with the same letter, but she's described as our sister, as a servant of the church, and if you change patron to supporter, a supporter of the church. She's a sister, she's a servant, She's a supporter. I want to look at those briefly. One, she's a sister. Phoebe, that's what Paul calls her. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, which doesn't mean she's a blood relative of Paul, not his real, you know, his relative sister or the relative of the church in Rome. Her sisterhood, it's not in terms of her physical descent because Paul and the church at Rome, they both share actually a deeper relationship with Phoebe than, than that of relative. Jesus speaks of these family, Christian, in the Lord connections. He speaks of them a couple places. One is Matthew 12, verse 50. He says, for whoever, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. That's what we are to cry. Who does the will of Father? Who walks with Him? Brother, sister, mother. Mark 10, Jesus says there, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands. I'm thinking that he means relative, bloodline, those sorts of people. There's no one who has left those sort for my sake and for the gospel. Two things here. Who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands, with persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. There is relatives, there is bloodline, there is those in the line, Christian believers in Christ. Paul often refers to fellow believers, I think he has in this letter, as brothers or brothers and sisters. Sisters and brothers not related through a bloodline per se of family descent through the blood of Christ, a different line. And it's what makes even our church family We are made up of believers in Christ. If you're a believer in Christ, you have relatives here that go beyond 
relatives even that you saw here at Thanksgiving. Relatives of in Christ. So she's a sister. And you all in Christ are sisters and brothers of one another. It's every Sunday, it's a family reunion of sorts, if you think of it that way. She's also a servant of the church. Commend you, our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church. It's the last line of verse 1. And a servant of the church at Sencrea. I'll say this name a couple times, a little hard. I do have a slide up here, a map of where this is. Where is Sencrea? Which I think gives weight to why this, why they think uh, Phoebe was the one to deliver. Now, Rome is where? Way somewhere over here. Here's Corinth, if you can see that little red dot there. Well, my red dot's on it. Sencrea is right near. I didn't zoom in, but it's kind of a port city on this, what, this isthmus, isthmus that crosses over here. So Phoebe was part of the church at Sencrea there. And maybe it's from there that Phoebe launched out with this letter to to Rome and sailed around, or maybe she cut the, cut the isthmus, went the other way, maybe by land. I don't know how she got to Rome, but that's where she was from, and that gives us an idea there. She served the church there. She was a servant of the church. We're not told exactly how Phoebe did this, how she served. You've got the word servant here, though. In the Greek, the Greek word is diakonon. Diakonon. You might recognize an English word that comes from that. Diakon, if you said it weird, was, is deacon. The word deacon comes from diakonon. So you might say, maybe some of your versions, your readings say she was a deacon or really deaconess. It's, I think it's a feminine form of this word. The ESV calls her a servant of the church, which brings up a question and some point to this, whether this was an official title for Phoebe. Was she officially, Paul is calling her a deacon of the church, and so were men or were women deacons in the church? Was this a role for men, or maybe does Phoebe prove something otherwise? Kevin DeYoung's got a book. It's titled Men and Women in the Church. I went there, got some help from him as well. He writes this on this passage, answering kind of that question, what about Phoebe? He says this word or this passage, it may mean that Phoebe was a deaconess or that she was more generally a servant. The word itself is ambiguous. So you can go deaconess or servant, either kind of way. He says, in either case, there's no clear indication that Phoebe the servant was a teacher or leader over men. So the word, it can mean something official or just simply mean a servant. If, uh, if you look in the book of Romans even, it talks just, we've looked at Romans chapter 13, the magistrate, the governing authority. It talks about the governing authority there being uh, God's servant, uh, and in that case, it's God's deacon or his deacon. That's not referring to the, the magistrate or the governing authority as a, a leader in the church. So it's using that word deacon in a way of just serving. Elsewhere, even Paul gives clear qualifications in 1 Timothy chapter 3 for the deacon of the church. You can look there later, but it would, it would seem the context there strongly indicates this is a role uh, for men in the church, the role of deacon, the official role. However... With all that said, we know Phoebe served well. She's here in Romans. Paul commends her for this. And much like the home that we see in the church, God's given unique roles and gifts in men and women in the church. 
Both are valuable to it, to the body, and to give glory to the Lord. Phoebe, here's, as a woman, in, the, in a writing of this day, she's mentioned in an honoring way in Scripture along with other women. But then certain roles are reserved for men alone. So the leading, the teaching in the church, primarily a role for qualified men, just as in the home, the husband is to be the head of the home with the wife in submission. We just If you're reading through the Bible in the two-year plan, you just saw that in 1 Peter 3. And I know I just used the S word, but it's okay. It's Scripture uh, that we see there. And yet here, so there's these roles God has given, and yet within this passage, women have, there's unique gifts, there's abilities to serve the church. I'm going to read a rather long quote from Kevin DeYoung because he, makes, he just writes a helpful list of ways how women serve in the church, just in case we are wondering. He says, before I touch on some of the activities reserved for men, let me stress many of the things women can do. So I've mentioned some of the leading teaching authority God is reserved for men. What about women? He says, let me stress many of those things. He says, women can minister to the sick, the dying, the mentally impaired, and the physically handicapped. They can share their faith, share their resources, open their home to strangers. They can write, counsel, mentor, organize, administrate, design, plan, and come alongside others. Kind of within this, they can pray. Not that that's a small thing, is it? They can pray. They can serve on committees of the church. They can come alongside the elders and deacons in difficult situations involving women or those needing a woman's perspective. They can minister to single moms, new moms, breast cancer survivors, and abuse victims. They can bring meals, sew curtains, send care packages, and throw baby showers. They can do sports ministries, lead women's Bible studies, teach systematic theology to other women, plan missions trips, They can teach children. They can raise their kids to the glory of God. And they can embrace singleness as a gift from God. I pray for women who love to cook and quilt and work in the nursery. I pray for women, not the male elders, but women, to counsel almost divorced wives and mentor young ladies and teach the Bible and good doctrine to other women. He writes, oh, how we need women who love the Bible and good doctrine. Women can help widows. They can care for those struggling with the remorse of abortion. And they can show the glory of the gospel in racial and ethnic reconciliation. And they can do all of the above cross-culturally in unreached places and with the unwanted peoples of the world. In other words, there are 10,000 things women can be doing in ministry. And I left this part on there. Pastors especially need to make this point abundantly and repetitively clear. Hopefully, his list has. I include this list. It helps us open our eyes, I think, to the thousand ways that women are a part and vital to the church, as every member is, young to old, male and female. God has. He is uniquely qualified, gifted men and women for various roles. It's not all the same, sometimes distinct. Maybe various types of ministry. And yet Phoebe was one also gifted for her role. So she is a sister and a servant. Lastly, we find out in verse 2, she's a supporter or a patron of many. And we find this commendation at the end of 
verse 2. She has been a patron of many and of myself as well, Paul says. Patron here, if you're you're reading the King James, you've got a succorer of many. It's a little harder to understand. NASB simply just has she's a helper. Maybe you've got that word in there. She's been a helper. One, One description of this patron helper is to be active in helping. Hence, a woman who is active in helping. That's what she is like. And then Herbert Locular, he's got a book, Women in the Bible. Book, all the women, list them out. Where are they? What about them? That sort of thing. He mentions this and describes this, this Phoebe as a patron here and kind of what that looks like and takes us to the Olympics or, or an Olympian, an Olympic trainer. He says, Phoebe as a patron is one who stands by in case of need. And here's the illustration. It's a classical Greek, I think, term here, word, describing a trainer in the Olympic Games. Think of a trainer, not the athlete, the trainer, who stood by the athletes to see that they were po- properly trained and not overtrained and rightly girded when they lined up for the signal. Can you get a picture of Phoebe as this patron, this supporter, this helper that comes along athletes like this in the, the Olympian way, sends them out in case whatever they need, she helps to get them ready and send them out. In this case, it's fellow brothers and sisters in Christ helping them maybe with their needs, helping them go proclaim the gospel, whatever it is. That's Phoebe. She's a patron of many, and Paul says, of myself as well. He's got firsthand experience. So who is Phoebe? She's a sister in Christ. She's a servant of the church. She's a supporter of many. And I think just by way of quick application, it's okay to ask here, are you Phoebe-like in the church? Are you servant-like like like this in the church? That's not the only thing, and it's certainly not to go serve, check off this list, and maybe you'll get to heaven. It's serving in the the strength of Christ, being a new creation. Are you a Phoebe-like in the church? Could could Paul send you to another church, and I commend so-and-so to this church, a servant of the church? That's how she's known, a patron. That idea. All right. So that's who is Phoebe. Our second question, a little shorter, how is the church at Rome to greet Phoebe? How do they greet this woman that is coming? Paul answers this how question. He's got two statements in verse 2. that you says there that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints. That's one. And then two, and help her in whatever she may need from you. So you've got two things. Welcome her. In the Lord, way worthy of saints, to help her whatever way she may need, whatever her needs are. Let's look at how this church is to welcome and receive Phoebe. And the first one is Paul urges them to welcome, to receive her how? You see it there? These little words, little three little words, in the Lord. Welcome her in the Lord. Again, we're, again in this broad kind of title of Gospel ministry tethered to Christ. How are they to welcome Phoebe? In the Lord. And it's the Lord who unifies these saints. That's where the sister brotherhood comes from. And we're going to see this in the weeks ahead, chapter 16. We're going to see, greet so-and-so in Christ Jesus or greet so-and-so in the Lord. Paul can't get away from this. Greet them in Christ. Greet them in the Lord. 
always tethered to Christ. It's the He, I shouldn't say it, He is the unifying one that bonds us together. And so even Paul's greetings, they're tethered, they're connected, they're never far from Christ. John Murray writes here, to receive in the Lord for the, for the church at Rome is to accept her as one bound to them in the bond and fellowship of union with Christ. Almost kind of seems like as you would welcome Christ, welcome Phoebe. She's a fellow saint. She's a sister in Christ. And so they're to welcome her in the Lord in a way or in a manner worthy of the saints. Now, the way worthy of the saints, that's a little harder to understand. What way? Could be two, two ways here. Could, re, could refer to the, to the way that the church at Rome is to welcome her. Like, be saint-like in your hospitality. So, the way that you welcome her, do it worthily like saints would do. Welcome her that way. Maybe, maybe it's that. Or... Maybe it's look at or view, see Phoebe as a saint. The word for saint here is just agia, it's holy one. See her as a holy one, a fellow holy one in Christ. See her that way and so welcome her in a worthy way. Honor her as as you would honor the Lord in welcoming him, so welcome Phoebe. Either way, Phoebe's deserving of an honorable welcome, not only because she is a sister to them all. She is that. But also for the things already that we looked at. She's a servant. She's a supporter. She has worked hard for the church. And again, here's where there is, as Paul would say, there's no male, female. All are in Christ. All are heirs in Christ, one in Christ. Again, various offices, various roles for men and women being distinct, and yet we're to welcome and treat both I think both men and women, in a way, in a manner, worthy of the saints. Those types of ways. Think about your sister here in Christ. Your brother here in Christ is worthy to be treated as a saint. Not praying to saints out here. Saints here that have been sanctified by Christ through His Spirit. I think it's... One is to elevate our conduct. When we see each other, not as just, oh yeah, they're the people that come to the church where I go on a Sunday morning. When we look around and we say, there's saints among us. Saints in Christ. Now that we're saintly, what he's made, and it elevates our conduct, Lord willing, hopefully with one another, as we face conflict with one another, as we face all sorts of things, that the Lord would help us see one another as fellow saints, fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. So, welcome her in a worthy manner. Number two, help her or stand by her in whatever Phoebe may need from you. Whatever she needs, help her out. Come to her aid. Make sure she's got what she needs. Help her. Quite, quite literally, as I said, I, th- I think it's this stand by her. And so it's like standing beside somebody in their need. And so as she has stood by, as she has helped the church in so many ways as a patron and a supporter, so you, church at Rome, come alongside Phoebe, whatever she, meets, she needs. And perhaps, I think, this probably means more than asking you know, a fellow saint, if they need anything, let me, you know, let me know. I'm guilty of that as well. You know, if you need anything, let me know. It feels sometimes like code word, like, if you do, and I hope you don't call, let me know. That idea. I think to change that 
and say, how can I help you? In what way can I meet a need for you? I think in that way, treat Phoebe this way as she comes to you. Application for us as well. Look at other people. Not, can I help you? If you, know, if, if you need something, let me know. But how can I help you? In what way? I think it drives that question home and it presses us to be helpful in that offer. And so Paul calls the church at Rome, welcome Phoebe. Receive her in a way worthy of the saints. Honor her and then provide for her. Get to know what she needs. Make it happen. Take care of her. She's a long ways from home. Make her feel at home where she's at. All right, so we come to question number three. Question number three, what are some takeaways for us? They could be takeaways for this Christmas season, or we just got out of Thanksgiving here. I just have a couple, three here. Some takeaways as we think on these things of Phoebe, her servanthood, how are they to welcome her? Number one, may we have a church full of Phoebes. A church full of Phoebes. Whether, whether or not we admit it, I think we, we imitate what we observe. We imitate, I, I think we do it with all sorts of things in our culture. We imitate, we do that, you know, this color is popular, and then you see a lot of these same colors. Just It's kind of all over the place. I think it's valid here to say imitate Phoebe. Be Phoebe-like. And so we've got an opportunity today to observe this dear woman of the church. And so be like her. Paul commended. This is a commendable woman to the church at Rome. She's a sister. She's a servant, a supporter of the church. And so may, may we be a church full of Phoebes. And in that sense, I want to ask just one other, really probably the most important qualifying question for you in light of Phoebe today. Does Phoebe as a sister apply to you as well? Are, are you a fellow brother or sister in Christ as you listen to this? By that meaning, have you come to see your sin and your need for a Savior? You've seen your guilt before the Lord and you see what you need. Can you see God's provision in Christ? This Christ that we're going to celebrate, it's a beautiful tree up, and we're going to celebrate as we come to this incarnation and celebrate His first advent, look forward to His second coming. This Christ who came as a babe in a manger, who humbled Himself to come live a sinless life, to die on a cross, is He your Savior? Have you come to this Christ by faith, that you can say, I'm a brother or sister of fellow believers in Christ. That's probably, and maybe it's just such a, a small description, pro- really the most important thing about Phoebe is she is a sister in the Lord, a sister in Christ. Not that she's all the servant. Those are fruits. She's living out Christ because Christ served as well. But she knew her Savior She was delivering even the gospel letter to those at Rome. May you be Phoebe-like first there and know Christ. Number two, kind of thinking of how the Roman church welcomed her to help Phoebe, whatever she may need. Let me ask, are you a consumer of the church only or a servant of the church? It's kind of Phoebe-like, kind of church in Rome-like. That is, is the church here for you or are you here for the church to be a part a crucial part, each one. There are needs that abound among us. 
And how has God equipped you specifically to meet those needs? Not everybody's doing all the same thing. It's not all the same. I mean, you're not playing an instrument. You don't do that. But there is another need and there's a place and you know it and it's very small and probably will never make the light of day of ways that you uh, can help. I was blessed this morning by some helping to shovel the sidewalks today. That's a way of serving. It's that small. And I think it's that meaningful. If you think of the Christmas story, you've got God doing this all over the place as well. God using people in various ways. You think of Mary, Mary who responds to Gabriel's announcement. She says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Servant there is a little different word. But she says, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Think about how God used Joseph in the the Christmas story. He obeyed what the Lord commanded him, and so he took Mary as his wife. Think of the other people God used and God equipped to meet needs. Wise men? Maybe they didn't know all where they... It seemed like they knew the star. They followed the star. And what did they bring? They brought gifts. And it's been said those gifts helped Joseph and Mary get going in their life and their journey to Egypt and all the needs that they had. God used wise men. And He used poor shepherds. You remember those shepherds that God used? That when they, when they saw Jesus, they, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child... And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Shepherd, yes, there's the pastor idea. These were like pastor pastors of the the sheep, of the flock, going out to proclaim Christ and how God used them. So be on the lookout. God uses ordinary people in the life and service of the church. Be on the lookout for fellow needs around you. And then be willing to to meet those needs. How can I help you? Lastly, lest we do all this and get busy for the sake of busyness. Pastor talked about serving. I just got to go serve today. I got, there's another checklist item, that sort of thing. Let us ground that service in our relationship with Christ. That we're not just busy doing things without growing in Christ ourselves. That we can serve First Peter says, serve by the strength that God supplies. We're weak to do this. We're often wanting. I got my own stuff to do. I don't, do I have time? All these sorts of things. May we be moved by the Lord to help where we can and moved really by Christ. Mark 10.45 says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, did He? But to serve. That's the same word, diakon. He came to deacon us. Christ came to serve us. How? By giving his life as a ransom for many. We're to really, yes, imitate Phoebe. Imitate the church at Rome. Welcome her. So much more. Imitate Christ who serves his church by dying for her. Let's pray. Father, as we enter this season of Christmas, And as we enter this last chapter of Romans, and as we've looked at these first two verses, Phoebe, a sister, a servant, a supporter, a church that is to welcome and help her. Lord, what what unique part are you driving home to our hearts today for us to apply? Again, Lord, as we pray often, and hopefully we put into practice, though there we see our failures as well, may we not hear the word 
close it up and go about our business, not having uh, doing what your word tells us. So Lord, where those conviction points are, where the application is for each heart, may you drive it home this week. Even, even in the other scriptures yet to be read today, yet to be studied, or the, the devotionals that will take place this week as a family or in quiet in the closet in prayer and reading your word, that you would use uh, your word to convict and guide us to be servants of the church, to be commendable, not for our glory but yours, to welcome the saints, to honor the saints, the sisters and brothers among us, and that we would do this not in a vain sort of labor, but do it for you to bring you glory. So help us in this, we would ask in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.